lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broad Street. Hey, man, if this is a That's right, folks. That is right in every aspect of the word. We have finally experienced the euphoria, and it was only one week ago that we sat here in this moment and were a little anxious. Still a few hours away from game time, not sure what to expect. What we got was a Super Bowl for the ages that ended with our Philadelphia Eagles finally, 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 finally coming out on top. And we could say it whenever anyone asks us that stupid question that we have been asked for years. How many Super Bowls you got? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we got one. And we got the most recent one. And it has been the most thrilling week the most emotional week of probably every Eagles fan's life, and I know it has, of my life. Welcome into a special Sunday afternoon live edition of The Madness. I am your Minister of Madness, Rob Lange, and it is so good to be with you. I I wanted to be with you all week. Scheduling conflicts took me away from things. Um, but here we are, I figured, the first Sunday without NFL football, uh, our first Sunday as Super Bowl champions, week after the game, we might as well spend it together reminiscing on everything that was this past week, uh, starting with the game. And, man, the euphoria, and that's the word I've been using so much of this week, is just still... You, you, I can't get over it. All I see right now, I'm watching NFL Network, and they got highlights of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And even those words, saying those words, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, still seems so weird for me. It still seems totally weird for me. But, my God, what a great damn feeling it is. It has been so exciting. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the parade. We're going to talk about just what this season was. But I've gone live for a reason, and that's because I want to hear from you guys. I want to reminisce with you. 516-531-9817 is the number, if you haven't remembered, as we've done a lot of recorded podcasts lately. Uh, if you want to tweet at us, at TSJ Madness, tweet your, me your questions, your feelings. Let's talk about them. Let's dive into this thing. And, you know, I think most of us felt – comfortable going into this game most of us felt confident that the Eagles had a chance because from top to bottom they were the better football team now they didn't have Brady and Belichick and that's what caused a lot of the nervousness and let me tell you Tom Brady did everything in his power to win that game everything in his power to win that game over 500 yards passing over 600 yards of total offense But, you know, the one thing we have talked about all year 
was how the Philadelphia Eagles seemed to have this idea of destiny on their side more so than ever. And where you really saw that was in moments where they should collapse or in moments where they shouldn't win, they've just found ways. If you would have told me that the Eagles put up 41 points in the Super Bowl, I would have told you it was a rout. Because there was no way I expected the defense to play that poorly. Even with that said, you know, you say poorly, but I guess when you go against Tom Brady and you go against the machine that is the New England Patriots, they're going to get plays. It was probably just a few too many big plays that they gave up, but who the hell cares, right? In the Super Bowl, it's the best part about it is you win by a point, you win by 50 points, the title's yours, you're Super Bowl champions, and no one can ever take that from you. And this team was so much fun to, to follow all year. And look, Philadelphia's had its fair share of teams that we've loved. You had the 93 Phillies. For me, I thought the 01 Sixers were a ton of fun. The 2004-05 Eagles group was fun. You know, yeah, it took them longer to get to the Super Bowl, and you kind of got this feeling of, oh, thank God that they're there. But they were still a fun group of guys. But this group will go down as probably the most beloved team in the city. Obviously, the fact that they brought the first Super Bowl ever to Philadelphia plays into it. But also the fact that they just did it in such a charismatic way that was theirs, that nobody else could do, you know, with the underdog thing, with the fun, with Jason Kelsey, and we'll get into his speech later and how incredible that was. But, man, I, I, I want to go back through this game. I want to go back through this game. It's funny, I, I rewatched the video my wife took of the final seconds, uh, and those videos that have come out from all over the place have just been excellent to watch. Uh, but I want to go through each and every touchdown and how important it was. And the fact that Doug Peterson stood toe-to-toe with, with uh, Bill Belichick and never once cowered, never once got complacent. He just did his thing. He went into this game. He knew what he wanted to do, and he was so impressive with it. This offense was incredible. And, you know, people said, man, I wonder if Carson Wentz is able to do the same thing. I don't know. I mean, no, in no way am I saying Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. But this Doug Peterson-Nick Foles connection in the playoffs is going to go down as one of those all-time, all-time stories that you will hear for years and years and years and years, not just in Philadelphia, but around the entire National Football League. I mean, think about where we were back in December. Think about where we were when Wentz walks off the field in L.A. and we're told very quickly it's a knee injury and he won't be back. We were all in the same place. Some tried to stay positive. Others just couldn't believe this is what happened. But once again, it fits to that whole idea of destiny for this team. When they were supposed to fail... They just kept going. And it's been incredible. It's been an incredible, incredible run. 
something I will always remember. I will remember where I was at the time of the Super Bowl. I remember where I was for the celebration. I will remember this entire week because it's been that much fun. And I told you I was going to take calls today, and one of those calls I wanted to take had to come from one of my favorite guys that's been on the show, a guy that I have co-hosted with uh, way back in January, and a guy that has been positive all the way through. Lee, do you believe that we are a week out from winning the Super Bowl? It's so incredible. Like It's crazy <laughs> to think about. Um, it took a while for it to set in for me. Um, I didn't shed a tear or anything. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I guess I was just <laughs> such disbelief that we won. I shed my first tear during that Kelsey, uh, that Kelsey speech. That's when I think it really friggin' hit me that nobody believed in this team and we did it. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable feeling to say that we're Super Bowl champions. No more jokes. Nobody can say anything to us. It's it's great. You know, Lee, we we did the show going into the Atlanta game, and we both felt pretty confident about that game. And we said, and then from there, we'll just have to see how things play out. Uh, But but you said it. This team, no one believed in them except for the guys in that locker room. And I think that's what makes – listen, this was going to be special whenever it happened, no matter what. But I think because of that whole underdog mentality that we had to take with it made it that much sweeter – when it really set in, like you said. Uh, no disrespect to Jimmy Kemsky or anything, but he was on that day with us, and he picked <laughs> them to lose to Atlanta. Uh, and the beat writers of this team didn't even believe in this team. This is the most complete Eagles team we have ever seen. Um, it's my favorite team of all time, and not just because of the Super Bowl champions. It's just like this is an actual team. There's not a single superstar outside of Wentz, maybe, and no egos on the team whatsoever. This is a team that everybody that everybody was in there for one goal, and it was to bring the city a championship, and they accomplished it. And they went absolutely wild when they did. You know, you, you just mentioned it uh, when, when you said no egos. I mean, think about the blunt Ajayi situation, how weird that could have been. And those guys became the best of friends. Whenever one of them scored, the other one ran on the field to celebrate. Like, it, there was a total brotherhood between them. There was no, hey, you're getting into my carries. It was, hey, whatever we got to do to win, that's what we're about. And, and you think about it, think of LeGarrette Blunt, right? I mean, it wasn't probably the, the usage he probably wanted because he's a competitor. But in the playoffs, he scored a touchdown in every game. And in that Super Bowl, played a huge role. And it was just, it's just incredible. Like, I don't know what else to say other than it's incredible. It, it really is. Because uh, if you think about it, a couple of years ago, we signed two premier running backs with Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray, and they couldn't make it work together. We bring in Blunt, Jai, and uh, an undrafted free agent, and Corey Clement, and they just, they just gelled so well together. Deuce did a great job of rotating them all year and they kept uh, Ajay fresh for the playoffs. Like we said, everybody thought he had a knee injury. No, they were keeping oh. him fresh for the playoffs. That's what he was acquired for. He was acquired for that run, and it, it paid off tremendously. Like, Howie Roseman is a god in this city now. He, he really is. He's a god. you got a bunch of folk heroes on this team. And, and one of those folk heroes is 
going to be Nick Foles for the rest of his life in this town. I mean, if you think about it, we, we said, I believe we even answered a question saying, we don't think Foles can go win you a game, but he could do enough that, you know, he won't lose you the game. Well, damn it, not only did he win us the NFC Championship game with his play, he came out and won us the Super Bowl going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. He really did. I will take all the L's in the world on that one. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I, I, But shout-out to the offensive line because Foles, mm-hmm. Foles is a, a, a pocket passer. He, he doesn't have much mobility, and they kept him clean the entire playoffs. It, it was an incredible job by the offensive line. Everybody doubted Big V. Uh, he stepped up big time. Uh, it makes me really happy for his future. I mean, I, I, I love Jason Peters, and I want him back, but if he – somehow retires or they let him go, even though he has a huge cap hit. I'm confident in Big V. I, I'm not going to draft an offensive tackle in the first round with the way he's played. You're absolutely right. The, the, you know, a lot of people thought, well, you get, you got to go offensive line probably first, second round of the draft this year. I, listen, that offensive line was stout. I mean, they, you said it. They kept them clean. Um their run blocking, you know, they just kept grinding. Even in games where it wasn't necessarily working early, they just kept grinding until something would break. Uh, but you know what else was Nick Fold's confidence and swagger in this Super Bowl? Yeah. And that's, I, lo- I, I love how they mic these guys up. I mean, you hear him on the sidelines. He's confident the whole time. But the fact that he walked up to Doug Peterson on a fourth and one from the goal line and said, you want to run Philly Philly? I mean, that, and, and then they just like who does that? Who does that? And not a only leader. would it exactly. I was just going to say, not many starting quarterbacks would have the the you know what to do that. This guy was a backup, but he never looked at himself as a backup. He saw himself as a starter in this league. He saw himself as a leader, and he knew that it was going to work. And they and they went right after it, and it was just phenomenal. It was incredible because Doug paused for a second he's like did you really just say that <laughs> and he was off he's like all right let's do it it just paid off tremendously uh i know burton or uh clement was on jimmy uh jimmy kimmel uh last week afterwards and apparently they only ran that play like three or four times in practice and nick caught each one of them um nick is a former uh basketball player uh, i don't know yeah. if he played in college but uh he he was definitely a good basketball player. So he has the hands to rebound and all that. It, it was great play. It's the best play in Philadelphia sports history, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how it isn't when you think of the magnitude of the game, the magnitude of that situation. You, you don't score there. You're only up 15 to 12, uh, and the Patriots get the ball to start the second half. So, you know, you're really – and you saw what happened on that drive. So you're really putting yourself in a bad position. But, you know, I think it just all falls into that this team, when they weren't supposed to be able to do something, always found a way to get it done. And that's, exactly. something, that I've all, that, that's something that I've always taken this, this season. Uh, but, Lee, uh, before – I appreciate you calling in on a Sunday, man. I know this is like a relaxing day for most. Uh, but um, before I let you go, just your overall when, – when we sit back in a month from now and two months from now, how are we going to view this entire ride? It's oh my god, a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> from from the Giants game when Jake Elliott hit that sixty one yarder to losing Jason Peters in the Washington game 
to losing Darren Sproles, and the, I think he lost, we lost him in the Giants game as well, mm-hmm. um, to losing Wentz when we were the best team in the NFL and everybody just turned their back on us. Uh, it, it's just a roller coaster of emotions, and we just rode that wave all the way to the Super Bowl and won it. It's just the best team I've ever seen play, to be honest. And I'm with you, and, you know, this is – for me, who who I know that you're a huge baseball guy, and, and, and you you know, you'll you'll be able to turn the page soon and start really focusing on that. For me, man, this is going to get me through the summer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I watch the Phillies, but I'm not in any way expecting anything yet, and I'm going to need something to get me through those those dog days of summer when I really don't want to watch, you know, a guy that I have no idea who he is pitch. Um, and, and, uh, but this has just been an incredible run. You know, it's, it's for, it's funny because before this Eagle season, I didn't even know who you were, Lee. Like we didn't really, we didn't even know each other. And, and, and with this, you know, what this team has done is form relationships and bonds between the fans that, that will, that will last as long as this championship will last. Um, so listen, man, I appreciate you calling in giving us a little bit of reminiscing from, from your side of things. And uh, let's, we'll, we'll talk soon. We'll catch up and, you know, Hey, it's only what, like a month until free agency. So we'll be back to fo- some football talk. It's crazy. I'm usually so pumped up for free agency and knowing all these <laughs> prospects in the draft. And I am so behind this year and I don't have a problem with it, but I will say one no. thing on the Phillies. They are yeah. underdogs. <laughs> hey, they are underdogs. You're right. Well, well, listen. No one has lost in the city since the Eagles won the Super Bowl. The Sixers and Flyers are six and zero combined. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, maybe this is the change in the city we needed. But like you said, I think I'm just so emotionally drained from everything we put in over the last month or two months that it, it's it's going to be nice after after I'm done this show today to take a little break and to just let this thing continue to sink in uh, one day at a time. Yeah, and let's get Nigel Bradham signed. That's number one priority right now. Number one priority. Agree. Lee Nelson, man, over for the John, doing a great do, John, doing a great job. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks a lot for calling in. No problem, Rob. Have a great day. All right. Always good to hear from our friend Lee. Uh, and he's right. It was a roller coaster. This season was a roller coaster, and the game was a microcosm of the season because it was a roller coaster. And I want to kind of go through the game a little bit. I want to kind of go through. I have all of Merrill's calls of all the big plays from uh, the Eagles side of things that will play. We'll talk about that play and then what, what took place after that. Um, so, obviously, the first drive of the game for the Eagles, they go right down the field. And what was very impressive about it wasn't that they got a field goal. You would hope for more, actually. Zach Ertz had his one bad play of the game with the offside to kind of hurt that. So they get a 25-yard field goal, take a 3 nothing lead. But it's the fact that they went 14 plays, 67 yards. That's great. What's great about it is seven minutes and five seconds. One of the keys of the game we said was Tom Brady's going to get his. You've got to keep him off the field as much as you can. Well, the Eagles had – this seven-minute drive to start off the game. And on their last drive of the game, 14 plays for seven minutes. Okay? That's a whole quarter of football. 
That's a whole quarter of football. That's huge when you could say in two drives in the game, you kept Tom Brady off the field for an entire quarter. And that plays a role. So even though they only got three, the good news there was that, A, they kept Tom Brady off the field. It was a good long drive. Things worked out well. And, B, on the ensuing drive, you were able to, for once, hold them to a field goal. Okay? You were able to hold them to a field goal. They did not, the Patriots did not go down and score a touchdown. They came down a little bit quicker, but still got a 26-yard field goal from Guskowski. As I said, this is the madness brought to you, TSJSports.com. Follow us at TSJ Madness. Give us a call today, 516-531-9817. Let's hear how you're feeling. The more calls, we'll go the entire 90 minutes if I'm getting phone calls today. All right, so getting back to the game, on the second drive for the Eagles, um, they had to punt the ball away. I think a lot of people forget that. But then they – I believe this is where they stopped the Patriots on four downs. It was a turnover on downs. They went for it after they had tried the little pass back to Brady where his hands are obviously not as good as Foles, and and he drops the ball. So they fall back, and they make quick work with it. On the third play of the drive, a little play-action situation, and here's how it sounded from 94 WIP and Merrill Reese. Foles fakes. He's back. He steps up. He is going deep. And it is caught by Alshon Jeffrey for a touchdown. Whoa, what a great catch by Alshon Jeffrey. A little play action. And after that big run, they immediately go up on top. And they get the big one to Alshon Jeffrey. He goes up over Eric Rowe. And he takes the football away. He was about nine and a half yards deep. What a catch. And just like that, the Eagles were up 9-3. to three. <laughs> You know, the one thing that it, you talk about an emotional roller coaster, right? We're jumping up and down. Everything is great. They just scored a touchdown on a bomb. Nick Foles threw a dime. Great catch. The, the catch radius that we heard so much about in the preseason of Alshon Jeffrey comes totally to light in this moment. Yet right after that, as Jake Elliott, the great field goal kicker who has great moments coming up later in this game, misses the extra point. Misses the extra point. And it's 9-3. to three. And you're sitting there going, oh. And, and this is where the Patriots' aura comes in. And you go, you can't leave points on the board. We've now left five points on the board. You can't do this against the Patriots. How, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Well, sorry, getting getting texts, tweets, a lot of stuff going on here. So, another stoppage. Um, I'm trying to think of what happened here for the Patriots. I know that one drive, it was a turnover on downs, but maybe they had two. Oh, that's what it was. They missed a field goal. So, on the next drive, the Patriots go right down the field, if I'm correct. Go right down the field. And Guskowski misses a bobbled snap, causes Guskowski to miss a field goal, giving the Eagles the ball back. Now, I might have flipped those two drives. I'm, I'm having a tough time remembering those moments. I kind of only focus on the good. Regardless, the Eagles get the ball back. 
And in just a little over three minutes, they wrote, they moved the ball 65 yards. And in a 9-3 game, you're sitting here going to yourself, God, if the Eagles could put another touchdown on the board, this, this could be unbelievable. And here's what happens on that drive. First and 10 at the 21. Foles under center. He comes right back to Blunt. Blunt across the 20, the 15, the 10, the 5. The train is in the end zone. 21 yards. Unbelievable blocking. Great play call. You can't execute it much better than this. The big guys, they get their double team up front. They get to the second level. It's a great cut by Garrett Blunt. He sticks that left foot into the ground. He goes back against the grain, and he hauls to the end zone. People don't realize how quick his feet are. He looks like a big lumbering power back, but boy, can he dance. You know, Lee just talked about the offensive line a few minutes ago. Well, they were very evident on this specific play because the hole that opened up gave a guy that runs downhill better than most just daylight, just daylight. And no one was going to tackle him in the open field. Right in, 21-yard touchdown. Now, at this point, a lot of people question Doug. But it wouldn't have been Doug if he didn't do this. He goes for two. He says, screw that. I'm going to try and chase this point, try and get it back. Let's go up by two touchdowns. Let's really, really make this thing interesting. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. They don't complete the pass. But the Eagles are up 15-3 to three at this point. Everything's good and well. Well, we're thinking to ourselves at this point, man, the defense, this is where they're going to step up, right? We've got a big lead. Let's just start burying them, right? This, this could just become a bury session. This is what it could be. Well, New England has Tom Brady. New England has some good weapons on the outside, and our secondary was not the best in this one. Right down the field, 90 yards in under three minutes. 90 yards in under three minutes. Some big, big, big plays. Something the Eagles did not give a lot up of this year. And it ends with um, White kind of matching LeGarrette Blunt. He gets a 26-yard TD run. And the game's 15-12. to 12. The game is 15-12. to 12. Why is it 15-12? to 12? Well, Mr. Reliable Goskowski, who now has missed a field goal, also now misses an extra point. And you sit here and you go, my God. Well, we've given up points, but the Patriots – here was my thought at that point. I sat back and said, this is very unpatriot-like. And I didn't think they were pressing or, or, or anything like that, but I thought, like I said this whole show, destiny started to show up. There was something special about this team. A couple of weeks ago before the Super Bowl, I had E-Rock on, and that's what we said. There's something special about this team. They, they continue to find ways – to beat the odds and do things that they weren't supposed to do. And this game, it just it was the same thing. Okay, the Eagles miss an extra point. Well, guess what? Kaskowski misses a field goal. The Eagles miss a two-point conversion. Kaskowski misses an extra point. He, that doesn't happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen. This was the stars aligned. It was time. It was time for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, when James White scores, there's about, I think, uh, 
there was still a decent amount of time left in the second quarter. But the Eagles were not finished yet. They knew they needed to get some points here. They knew this was going to be very, very important because the Patriots got the ball to start the second half. <coughs> Excuse me. They had to go 70 yards, and they did it really, really quickly. If I'm not mistaken, this would have been the drive where they get the ball to Clement, who has the big play on the wheel route. But regardless, they get down to the goal line, and they they are just being held. And all of a sudden, it becomes fourth and goal. And I think we all knew what what Doug was going to do. We've watched him all year. The guy is a gambler, and, and, and he's aggressive. And if you watch the inside the NFL, he says immediately, we're going to go for it. Now, they call timeout, but he says immediately, oh, we're going for it. But as much moxie and swagger as Doug has, I don't know if we believed in the moxie and swagger of Nick Foles. I don't believe that I knew he had it in him to go up to the coach and call, not only call a play, I I believe he has the moxie to do that, but to call this play, this trick play, This play that is going to go down in Philadelphia Eagles history as maybe their greatest play of all time. Greater than your fourth and 26. Greater than... This play that when you look at it will go down as the greatest play in Eagles history, the name we will forever remember, the Philly special. Foles in the gun. Clement to his right. Now lines up behind Foles. Foles moves to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick and Foles. it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. And I want to stop it there because I, I this play was freaking incredible from the design to the uh, just to the, the running of the play itself. How many things could have gone wrong on this play? Yet everybody involved was as confident as could be that they were not going to screw it up. First off, you have an undrafted rookie free agent, Corey Clement, in the game, in the biggest game of his life, in what was the biggest spot of the game for this team and for Corey himself. So he's got to do his part right. He's got to sell it. Snap comes directly to him. On the run outside, this pitch has to be perfect because if it's not, a variety of things can happen. It could be a fumble. Uh, they could not get a chance to throw the ball because he, it, it was a bad pitch, whatever it might be. Well, it's perfection. So now let's go to another guy, a guy that people think outside of Philadelphia as the third-string tight end, a guy that – it's going to really crush me when he's not here next year if that becomes the case. 
Trey Burton is being given the task of doing one of the most important things in the history of a franchise. And that's gather this ball in and complete the pass to a quarterback. (laughs) And, man, he comes through it like – now, he had said in an interview he hadn't thrown a pass since he was still a quarterback in College of Florida his freshman year. But, man, he just got back there, and it looked very comfortable. And then let's go to Nikki Six. And I know others have other nicknames for him. We're not we're not going to go there on, on the family-friendly madness. But, you know, let's uh, – he he has to sell this play, and he does a massive job of selling it like he is calling an audible. He gets up to the line. He's yelling, kill, kill, kill. He's making the hand signal that him and Carson Wentz have made all year. He goes over like he's talking to Lane Johnson, and the ball snapped, and he just stands there. If you watch, he just kind of stands there. And just that basketball athleticism that we all forget about him comes out and he throws himself into the end zone wide open, watches the ball into his hands, and history is made. History is made on that play. And obviously it didn't end the game. We saw what happened. There was so much more game to go. A lot of things took place. But in, you know, 34 seconds – or a minute and a half, I should say, the Eagles go up by 10, leaving the Patriots very little time to answer before the half, and they're not able to do it. This is a play that changed the game, that there is no opportunity to win in the end without this play. And you got to think of Doug and Nick the most on this play. They were that confident of work. And Corey Clement said on one of the uh, nighttime shows that he was on that they had only practiced this thing three or four times. And they said, all right, it's in there now. We know what we got to do. And they ran it in the Super Bowl on fourth and goal. I, it, it's just it, – it's, it's one of these situations like – when you think about the Super Bowl years from now, when you think about the first one that the Eagles won, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is Philly Special. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And to watch it, to see it, was just... It, 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 like I said, this was always going to be a very special time when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But the way in which they did it down to single plays like Philly Special are what is going to make this just that much more meaningful to us. This is the madness brought to you by TSJSports.com. Follow us, tweet us at TSJ Madness. Call in today. I want to hear some of your stuff. I want to hear what people are saying. 516-531-9817. How do we feel? Is it still... Does it still have the great reaction? Does it still feel as great as it did a week ago? I mean, I think it did. Anytime I think about it, I think it did. And I think it does. 
you know, obviously as you move forward, life starts happening, things start happening, you don't get to feel it as much. But it, it's just it's just an incredible, incredible feeling. So we go in the halftime. Philly's, Philly leads 22 to 12. And they come out, and, it you know, you feared the halftime. I said it before. One of my fears was the 30-minute halftime. Patriots make great adjustments. Howard Eagle is going to be able to handle it. Well, the first drive, they handled it as bad as you can handle it. Because Tom Brady picks them apart. He goes to Rob Gronkowski four or five times in the drive after he had only had one catch, um, you know, through the first half. And then he hits him on a five-yard touchdown. And before you know it, it's 22-19. And now, for me, the, the, the really anxious going, uh-oh, feelings are coming in. Because this defense is just getting picked apart. And, yeah, the offense has been great. But how long can Nick Foles go in toe-to-toe with Tom Brady? How long can he score them? Listen, there, there are very few people who thought if this thing got into a shootout, the Eagles could win the game. And it was just us doubting Nick Foles. I mean, let's be honest. We, we were doubting, and I've never been happier to be wrong in my life. Ensuing drive. The Eagles start at their own 15. They go 85 yards in 11 plays, take another five minutes off the clock, and the drive ends with the Corey Clement touchdown. Merrill sounded a little something like this. Goes back again, looking. He is going deep, and is it a touchdown? I'm awaiting the signal. It is. It is touchdown. It goes all the way down. A 22-yard touchdown to Clement. Now, this play was interesting. And I'm going to admit something that, you know, I haven't really said before. I saved it for you, my audience, my followers, my wonderful people that you are. I thought for damn sure it was incomplete. I thought for damn sure this pass was incomplete. You know, the reason behind that goes into the whole idea that I'm not sure what a catch and what a catch it, what a catch is and isn't, I should say. And you definitely see movement of the ball. The NFL did a hell of a job miking up Sterator. Because on both questionable calls in the game, you heard his explanation fully through. His explanation on Clements was, yes, the ball moved, but it went from hand to arm, and it was never losing control. And apparently the ball can move in that regard. Well, if that's the rule, then it was a hell of a call. And, you know, I was one of these people who worried about the officials and being on the Patriots' side and all that stuff. These guys called one of the best games of the year. They called it right down the middle. They let the guys play. There was only six or seven penalties in the whole game. And they made the call that they felt was the right call. And if that's the rule, then yes, it was the absolute right call. 
And this story, this narrative continues back and forth. It's 22 to 12, then it's 22-19, now it's 29-19. Well, the Eagles, you know, I'm not concerned. I think that the Eagles' game plan was, I don't think they wanted to score. I don't think they wanted to give up as many X plays as they did, as many of these big plays as they did. However, I think they, they, what what was very impressive to me was they never lost composure. They never lost confidence. And you heard that in Malcolm Jenkins when he talked to the guys. This team never lost confidence. Yeah, they, they got beat. They got beat. They were not good. They did not get pressure on Brady. They couldn't really stop the run. They did not have their best game. And you got to credit Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and, and Tom Brady for that. They had a hell of a game plan for him. And I think it shows you that there's, there's some needs on this Eagles defense going into next year. Uh, especially, I, I think the secondary still needs a little bit of work. And I know that everybody's going after Ronald Darby, but I think there's, there's other issues. I think too many people love Jalen Mills' persona, and they don't realize that he's an average corner and he has a lot of work to do such as stopping frigging double moves. If I see this guy get beat on a double move one more time, I'm literally going to lose my mind. So, you know, we got a little bit of um, news while we've been on the air here today. Obviously, we know that John Filippo went to Minnesota earlier in the week, um, but it looks right now like Frank Reich has emerged as of 25 minutes ago via Adam Schefter on Twitter Frank Reich has emerged as a favorite to become the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, hoping to hire the Eagles' offensive coordinator once they have negotiated a signed, sealed, and delivered contract. Uh, and that's per Schefter and Mort over at ESPN. So, you know, this is the price of being good. Your guys will tend to leave. Um, I don't look at the Frank Reich as a devastating loss. Uh, I think it, it hurts, just like Filippo hurts. But I think Doug was calling these plays. I think these were Doug's plays. Uh, I would have rather Frank Wright got the job and then the Eagles able to hire John Filippo and move him up to the offensive coordinator, but it is what it is. It's the price of winning a Super Bowl, and at the end of the day, you know, we'll see what this does, but Filippo did his job. Frank Wright was excellent and, and, and did his job, and best of luck to these guys as they move forward in their careers. Where we left it, it was 29-26. Uh, the Patriots went right back down the field, seven plays, 75 yards, scored a touchdown. Chris Hogan, 26-yard touchdown catch. Um, And you started to get a little worried because my feeling at this point was at some point the Eagles are going to kick a field goal. And Do they have enough to stop Tom Brady? Well, my fears became warranted because on the next drive, the Eagles do not get a touchdown. On the next drive, the Eagles – get a 42-yard field goal, which was huge. Took another four and a half minutes off the clock early in the fourth quarter to go up 32-26. to But Tom Brady wasn't going to be stopped in this game. He was incredible. He was incredible. He deserved to get a ring. He did. He deserved to get a ring. They go right down the field. They take the lead. Gronkowski gets a four-yard touchdown pass. It's 33-32. 
you where we were at this point was, damn it, Tom Brady did it again. Where I was, he did it again. I wasn't saying that the game was over, but I, I, I was feeling like, oh, uh, oh, he crushed us. That's the dagger. That's the crusher. Not remembering the narrative of the season. This team doesn't go away. So they start their drive. They got to get 75 yards for a touchdown. They get, they get struck with about a fourth and one right around on the other side of the 50. And Doug said, uh-uh. I don't care. We got to score. We got to score now. We got to run the clock. He goes for it and goes to his safety valve and Zach Ertz, who had a hell of a night, who had a hell of a game. I mean, it was – and that catch, he gets crushed. He holds the ball. First down, Eagles keep the drive alive, and they just keep chugging away and chugging away and chugging away. And now it's third down. It's third and seven. There's over two minutes left in the game. But you, you kind of get the feeling if the Eagles can't score a touchdown here, this could be it. And here it goes. Back goes Foles. Fires. Slant. Touchdown! Zach Ertz. He caught it. He bobbled it. And he never let it drop. And he finished with the football. The ball did pop up, but he regained control of the football. Now, we were left in true Philadelphia fashion with a lot of angst at this point, weren't we? (laughs) Because once again, the catch rule comes into effect. To me, the fact that this was even being looked at pissed me off. To me, I don't understand how someone takes three steps and dives on their own, and it takes that long to see that. And that's exactly what happened, New England. That's exactly what happened, haters of the Philadelphia Eagles, who want to say, no, that's not the case. If you watch the replay, even in not slow motion, he catches it, turns, one, two, three, and he dives before he was hit. You are a runner at that point, and nothing else matters. But with it taking as long as it did, there was concern. There absolutely was concern that they were going to find a way to overturn it. Fast forward to the inside the NFLs and the turning points and the sound effects and all that, and you, they actually let you hear Sterator underneath the hood, as they say, looking at everything that, was, um, that he could see. And he says, well, Three steps and a push-off makes you a runner. I really don't see let's look. And he just, he, I think he wanted to be safe, and he looks at it from another angle, and he comes out and he says it. He took three steps and pushed off. It was 100% a catch. And Chris Collinsworth, you jackass, could you try and not root for the Patriots a little bit more in your broadcast? That was the single most disgusting final five minutes of broadcasting I've heard in my entire life. And I like Chris Collingsworth. 
I'm not one of these guys who hate all the national guys. I like Joe Buck. I like, you know, who who else do people get on? I, I, you know, I can't figure it out. But, like, I like these guys. I think they do a good job. But that was BS, what Chris Collinsworth was doing. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. It was a touchdown, and it wasn't even close. And then the way you're pulling for the Patriots the rest of the way, bring up, oh, it's Tom Brady up. Here they go. Here we go. And then when they drop the ball, giving out a, oh, at the end of the game. That's disgraceful. How he's not fined is beyond me. I don't expect them to fire him, but the guy should have got friggin' fined for his actions after that play. It absolutely pissed me the hell off. Pissed me the hell off. So then, the Eagles had the lead. But one thing I said once they caught it a touchdown, and the Eagles went for two and didn't get it, and it's a five-point game, was, oh, crap. There's two minutes and four seconds left. <laughs> yeah. or, or two minutes and 21 seconds left. <coughs> Excuse me. How in God's name did he stop Brady? And stop the all game. They haven't got pressure on them all game. And in a very similar way to the L.A. Rams game where it was just a shootout back and forth with very little time remaining, the defense makes its mark. And it comes in a guy, you want to talk about an underdog or a guy that people in this town took a long time to come around to, Well, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Graham is now our hero. It is second down and two. Brady with White to his right. Brady back again. He steps up his head and falls forward. And he fumbles the football and the Eagles have it. It is recovered by... It is unrecovered by Barnett. 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 Brady fumbles and Barnett has the ball. They finally hit Brady. They finally hit Tom Brady, and Barnett comes up with the football. Oh, there is that turnover we prayed for. Listening back, the emotions start welling up in me because this was the first moment that I kind of – I started to get emotional in this moment. Now, I looked at the clock. I knew the situation. I I was screaming, one first down, one first down, one first down. But at the same time, I'm thinking, they got a shot. This could be it. There it is. How how the hell? Tom Brady doesn't fumble the football. Tom Brady doesn't fumble the football. And he does in the biggest spot where he has been so many times and gone down and crushed the hopes of opposing teams and fans. So they go to the break, and now, man, the the nerves, the emotions, the shaking, there's so much that's happening at this moment. And you're just hoping they can find a way to get a first down. And they don't. They don't. They played a conservative, can't blame them, although hindsight's 20-20. The clock was going to stop at the two-minute warning anyway when there's two minutes and three seconds left. Maybe you just pass the ball anyway. But who the hell knows? You risk a turnover, whatever it might be. They run the ball into the line three times. It's fourth down. From where they are in the field, you're looking at about a 46-yard field goal. Not, not a shorty by any chance. You have a guy who's missed an extra point. It's a rookie kicker. It's a tough spot. But this rookie kicker has kicked 61 yarders. This rookie kicker 
is great from beyond 50-plus. This rookie kicker has time and time again made plays when it mattered the most. And Merrill Reese's call of this shows you the intensity of this moment. You are under two minutes in the Super Bowl. This field goal puts you up by a touchdown and a two-point conversion if converted. Here is a 46-yarder to give the Eagles an eight-point lead. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Goal! The biggest kick in Jake Elliott's life right there. Outstanding job on the snap, on the hold by Donnie Jones, and he hits it through the pipes. And you heard Mike Flick say it there, and he's damn straight. Up until then, a 61-yard field goal to win the game in week three against the New York Giants was the biggest kick in Jake Elliott's life. But this 46-yard field goal in Super Bowl 52 was not just an ordinary 46-yard field goal. This field goal made it so that Tom Brady could not end your hopes in regulation. Tom Brady could not win the game in regulation. And in a game where everybody was scoring, you thought even in overtime you had a chance. So the kick is made. There's under a minute left, or there's under two minutes left. And then I think the point where I really, truly believe they were going to win the game, even though I may not have felt it in a few minutes, was on the kick return when they tried the special play and everybody stayed home, and, man, they crush them, and they're back at the five-yard line. They're back at the five-yard line. And then they get Tom into a fourth-down situation, and even though they convert it, you're now down to 23 seconds or, or 30 seconds. And then you get the situations, right? Darby has the ball right in his hands. The game's over. He drops it. And it sets us up for the Hail Mary. And you knew it was coming. And what was, there was nine seconds left, so you thought, well, they might have a chance for two plays here if they, if they throw, you know, whatever it might be. And I think we all just lose track of time on that last play. And I'm going to play the call again. And I'm going to play it all the way through and let you hear the excitement and the voices of Mike Quick and Merrill Reese. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back and talk about how I felt, um, how I'm sure many of you felt. So let's play the final play again and the follow-up from Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it. Deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broad Street. Hey, man, if this is a dream, don't wake me up. We're going to have a parade on Broad Street. Hey, grease up the poles. We're going to have a parade. (laughs) The Eagles have won the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. 41 to 33. And, Mike, I'm going to give you my MVP, Nick Foles. No question about it. And finally, the third time is truly a charm 
We are bringing back the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. The greatest fans of the world have their Super Bowl. Third time's a charm. It is it, – it, it couldn't have happened in a better way, could it? A game that goes down to the wire, you're playing the Patriots. This is the best team, the best dynasty perhaps in, in the history of the NFL. And you knock them out in their own game. This is their game. The Super Bowl is the Patriots' game. And the Philadelphia Eagles went toe-to-toe. They did not do what they had done all season, bread and butter-wise, with the defense. And I don't know if I had mentioned it on the show prior to the Super Bowl, but I think I did. I had said that the Eagles' defense struggled on the road this year. They were not the same team on the road as they were at home. They struggled mightily in L.A. They struggled mightily in uh, New York. Had good games in Dallas. Gave up some points in Washington and and Carolina. Kansas City. They played pretty well in Kansas City, though. So, I mean, they weren't the best defense on the road, and this was technically not on their home field. It was not at Lincoln Financial Field. But in most of those games, their offense picked up the load. And the same thing happened in the Super Bowl against a team that I didn't think it could happen against. They stunned the New England Patriots. New England never in a million years thought that the Eagles could win a shootout with them. I'm re-watching right now the New England Patriots-Seattle Super Bowl from Super Bowl 49. Where Seattle had a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter. And I just watched Brady throw a go-ahead touchdown pass with two minutes to go in the game. And this Seattle defense was one of the best of all time, right? Well, New England went right down the field on them twice in the fourth quarter, scoring touchdowns and taking the lead. And, yes, yeah, Seattle almost came back and, and won the game. But what I'm saying by that is the defense had a bad day. But on the last two drives of the game, when it mattered, when they were up against it, when they needed every single stop, they got a strip sack and a knock away on a Hail Mary. So this defense deserved their game checks, Boomer Friggin' Esiason, Mr. Negative A-Hole, because they made the plays in money time. And they did things that people like the Seattle Seahawks in Super Bowl 39 couldn't do, or the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 couldn't do. They stopped Brady twice at the end of the game. This team from man one to the equipment managers deserved this. They deserved this. How many records have the, uh, have the Patriots broke? Largest fourth quarter comebacks. They've done it twice. They didn't do it against the Eagles. The Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. They are world champions. And I know you all know it. I know we all know it. Because we, we've, we've seen the videos. We've heard the, per, the, the speeches. 
We've watched the parade. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about before I leave you here today. This team inspired a city like no other. (laughs) And the city turned out. Now, I went over to the parade. And, you know, from Sunday all the way through the parade, I had moments of total emotion. Lee said it didn't hit him right away. I won't lie. I jumped for joy for about five minutes after the game, and then at some point I just fell to the ground and cried. I fell to the ground and cried. And I couldn't help it, and I didn't care. And I had moments throughout the week where I cried. And I can remember standing on Thursday at Braun and Rittner right up on the bar as the buses finally started to come down the street. And I can remember looking and one of my cousins or buddies that was standing behind me tapping me on the back and I got overcome with emotion again. And it's okay. (laughs) And I think everybody knew that. I think we all knew it. We've all been emotional We've hugged strangers. We've really treated this like it it is a big part of our life. But it is. It is a big part of our life. You know, Ray Dininger got in someone with Boston about this moment the the day before the Super Bowl in this little back and forth they all had. It was great. It does mean more to us. And it's okay that it means more to us. We're not crazy. We have waited a long time for this. We have waited a long, long, long time for this. And, Philly, you have every right to celebrate this the way we have. Don't let some idiot in England tell us (laughs) that there are only 700,000 people there. You're stupid. There was way more than 700,000 people in attendance. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. They took a picture of, you know, my guess is the art museum and made this asinine thing that, oh, no, no, that was it. It was just 700,000 people. No, there wasn't. I was there, you idiots. There was more than 700,000 people. Don't be stupid. Um, the parade was incredible First of all Now I don't know Obviously we don't have You know a lot of knowledge In these parades But there was this whole idea That That I've always had at the parade Where the players Everybody stays in the floats They wave Everything's great They give their speeches They go home and maybe it's not like that. Maybe what happened in, in, in this parade happens all over the place. But the players getting off of the buses, going into the fans, stage diving like Jason Kelsey, taking pictures, laughing, hugging, high-fiving. You know, where I was at, it was the uh, secondary bus, I guess, because it was Rodney McLeod and Rasul Douglas and Jalen Mills. <coughs> you 
You know, these were the guys that ran off. And we all got the high five, and we had this moment with all these guys. It was great. It was great. It's something I'll never forget. And you know what else I loved was this team never losing sight of this town. All the throwback jerseys, Randall's, Reggie's, Jerome's, Carmichael's, Chris Long wearing an Allen Iverson jersey. This went beyond just football and the Eagles. This was for a fan base who has had a great time with the Phillies World Series, but outside of that has had nothing since the 80s. And obviously for the Eagles, they've had nothing. Most fans who are alive today have never seen what they saw last Sunday night. And that was a Super Bowl championship. But they know the city. Jason Kelsey knows the Mummers and gets a Mummer suit from the Avalon String Band. No, not what this jackass in New York is calling. I don't even know what he called the suit, an Aladdin suit or whatever. He, he obviously has, you know, and then said, acting like it's a Mardi Gras parade. No, nah, dude, it's called the Mummers, you idiot. All right, grow the hell up. I, I, you know, it's so funny, these guys. You are such haters that you'll do anything to get clickbait and just keep hating. The Eagles are on top of the NFL. You broadcast for the Mets and are now taking another job, apparently. You're a freaking loser. Get the hell out of here. You're not going to ruin this for us. And now I want to play something. And listen, we don't normally go to the curse words. Sometimes it happens accidentally uh, with the really bad ones. But damn it, this speech is one of the greatest speeches in the history of parades and sports parades. It's going to go down maybe as the greatest. And I don't think it's right to edit it. And maybe I'll hear about this later, but damn it, this is a podcast, and damn it, I'm going to play it. And I'm going to spend six minutes having everyone listen to this speech because this has made Jason Kelsey a folk hero in this town. It has made me say to myself, if I can find a Jason Kelsey jersey with the Super Bowl 52 logo on it, I am buying the Jason Kelsey jersey with the Super Bowl 52 logo on it. So without further ado, the greatest speech in Super Bowl parade history, delivered by one Jason Kelsey. With great athletic ability, strength, teamwork, please welcome All-Pro Center, Jason Kelsey! I'm going to take a second to talk to you about underdogs. I know Lane and Chris just talked about this, but I don't think that it's been beat home enough. Howie Roseman, a few years ago, was relinquished to all control pretty much in this organization. He was put in the side, hey, hey, he was put in the side of the building where I didn't see him for over a year. Two years ago, when they made a decision, he came out of there a different man. He came out of there with a purpose and a drive to make this possible. 
and I saw a different Howie Roseman, an underdog, Doug Peterson. When Doug Peterson was hired, he was rated as the worst coaching hire by a lot of freaking analysts out there in the media. This past offseason, some clown named Mike Lombardi told him that he was the least qualified head coach in the NFL. Doug Peterson, a man who went for it up fourth and down, went for it up fourth and down in the Super Bowl with the trick play. He wasn't playing, playing just to go mediocre. He's playing for a Super Bowl. And it don't stop with him. It does not stop with him. Jason Peters was told he was too old, didn't have it anymore. Before he got hurt, he was the best freaking tackle in the NFL. Stephen was new, she ain't good enough. Jason Kelsey's too small. Lake Johnson can't lay off the juice. Brandon Brooks has anxiety. Oh, West didn't go to an official one school. Nick Foles don't got it. Boy, Clement's too slow. The airplane ain't got it anymore. Jay and John can't stay healthy. Corey Smith can't get. Nelson Aguilar can't get. Zach Gers can't block. Red Zellick's too old. Brandon Graham was drafted too high. Benny Curry ain't got it. Oh, Allen can't fit the scheme. Michael Thomas can't fit the scheme. Nigel Bradham can't catch. Jalen Mills can't cover. Patrick Robinson can't cover.
what my man Jay and John just said. Fuck you! I'm going to stop it there. <laughs> and I know, I apologize. Yeah, you know, maybe we should not have played it. But this speech epitomizes who we are as a fan base and who this team was and how we related so well all season long. This season is going to be one that we talk about for years, the ups and downs, 61-yard field goal. Uh, you know, the the win on a Thursday night in Carolina, going in and trouncing the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, losing Wentz, losing Peters, losing Sproles, losing Hicks. Watching Nick Foles struggle the first two times. Or, or I should say he's good against the Giants, and then he struggles the next two games just to dominate in the playoffs the fourth down conversions, the pick sixes, the trick plays. This season is the one that goes into the history books for us. The season is the one that we ended by saying we are Super Bowl champions because this team and this fan base are one and the same, and this group of guys understood that. They understood it from day one, and they never questioned that. They knew what they were doing this for. Hell, yes, they were doing it for themselves. Hell, yes, they were doing it for themselves. But they were doing it for us, too, and they truly believed that. And they truly, truly believed that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to end the show here. And with us ending the show, we're going to kind of take a little hiatus for a bit. We're going to take the rest of the month of February and probably the early part of March to, you know, reset. Reset our minds, our bodies. We've got to get ready for the other sports and the things that are coming up. We got to get ready for the draft and for free agency and what the Eagles are going to do. But we have other teams in this city to talk about. We have the Sixers who are on a bit of a winning streak right now. We have the Flyers on a bit of a winning streak right now. We have the Phillies getting ready to start it up and getting ready to maybe really take that next step in the rebuild. And it's going to be a fun spring and summer leading us back into September when we get to see the Eagles take the field as Super Bowl champions for the first time. They have given us so much love and enjoyment. They have given us so much fun for a football season. We will never forget it. And I want to thank you guys for being there with me through it all. You know, when I started this a couple years ago with my former partner, Todd Ekman, I didn't know what I was going to do, if this was going to be a hobby. And then when I came back and started doing it alone, I still wasn't sure where this was going. And over the course of the last year, during the Eagles' unbelievable season, 
I took classes, and I am trying to go forward with this as a career. And TSJSports.com is giving me this platform, and I thank them. And I thank all of you that tune in every single week that I do this. The Twitter page will still be running at TSJ Madness. Please, please keep tweeting. Please, please keep having conversations with me. And when we come back in March, we're going to be bigger and better than ever. (coughs) So for TSJSports.com, for myself, thank you all. We will be back in March, but until then, embrace the madness and embrace being world champions. Have a good one, everybody.